We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back packers fans to the pack a day podcast it is almost the end of another week it's a thursday edition it is two-thirds of your usual thursday crew i am jason perone of the pack a day podcast Game on Wisconsin and the Quicksilence podcast at Game on Wisconsin, along with Paul Brettel of Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV, and the Packers Unrestricted YouTube show. Mark Eckel is on hiatus this week. He will be back next week. So, Paul, we have to somehow, I guess we're going to have to come up with the fun stories to tell. Did you bring a couple with you this week or? Certainly not to the quality that Mark does. I can promise you that. Oh, no, for sure. Well, does anybody? I mean, <laughs> and he's got the, and it's still the delivery too, right? Yes. So Mark is on hiatus, but we will still do the weather. We had a couple of entrants, and I have to start as we always do. We go as far east as we can. So Oslo, Norway, Robin Erickson chimes in again. Thank you, Robin, for not giving up on us last week after we said Oslo was in Sweden. Terrible geography, terrible geography. Of course, he was very gentlemanly and said not to worry, not to worry. But sounds like temperatures are 50 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 degrees Celsius, on and off, light drizzle of rain the past couple of days. And all the best to the weathermen. Thank you. You are a gentleman and a scholar and very understanding. Absolutely. And we greatly, greatly appreciate it. And then Mark said it was nice. By the beach, I don't remember what the temperature was, but it sounds like no rain for a couple weeks in a row now. So that's good. A little beach weather for Mark on the East Coast there. And uh, then we move over to the Dairyland state of Wisconsin, where Paul Brettel, a lot going on in your world over there. What is happening? Did you, is it still skip over spring or did <laughs> spring make an appearance? A brief appearance. I mean, it's a rainy we're recording on Wednesday, so it's a rainy Wednesday day, but I can't really complain. It's been awesome here for the most part, 60s, 70s. And this fine Memorial Day weekend is shaping up sunny, 75, sunny, 82. Might even hit the 90s on Monday, which will Ooh. feel nice. So, yeah, we're, we're shaping up for a perfect weekend here. There you go. That does sound nice. That sounds absolutely fantastic. And then here in the Phoenix area, triple digits, of course, 103, 104, 101, 96, take your pick. It's going to be hot, hot and sunny. Summer is here. You know how we be over here in the Phoenix locale. And then rounding it out, as always, our friend in Kamloops, Canada, Harry, 
who says high of 76, Paul, in wow. Kamloops. Low of 47. Sunrise is now at 4.59 a.m. Sunrise at 9 p.m. And with their uh, as often light in the northern sky, uh, well past midnight, indicating the sun is not really setting up north. But, you know, I think that's kind of how it goes when you get up in those northern latitudes this time of year. Right. We're almost at the summer solstice, which is like mid-June. So the days are long. What time is the sun setting over there by you? Um, I don't know the exact time, but it's uh, 7.52 and still bright outside. All right. There you go. Bright and sunny as it be. So we're going to talk about, Paul did some quick thoughts before Packers OTAs begin, and OTAs have been happening. So we're going to kind of go through some of those notes and nuggets and talk a little bit about that. So, Paul, I'll kind of let you lead since it's your piece, and we'll pluck the nuggets and pieces we want to talk about, and we'll go from there. So where are we starting? Yeah, thank you, Jason. So this article is up at Dairyland Express. As we know, OTAs, they're voluntary um, uh, off-season team activities. So they'll be taking place from the 23rd to 24th, the 26th, May 31st, June 1st, June 3rd, June 13th, 14th, and June 16th. So nine separate practices. And then mandatory minicamp will be sandwiched in there from the 7th through the 9th. So we know there's nothing that we can glean from these practices that are in you know not in pads they're in shorts it's late may early june but the idea of this article is just sort of to talk about different topics that are going to begin whether it's positional battles things to watch for they're going to begin here in otas and run through training camp and the preseason so article format i just went through and bullet pointed a bunch of quick thoughts that i had as the title suggests so as jason said we're going to discuss a few of those so first up at least for this first week i guess um, like maybe it's been said out there, but Rodgers hasn't, or we know he hasn't been at OTAs this week, whether he'll make an appearance you know, at the other practices scattered out over the next three, four weeks or so, I guess remains to be seen. I haven't seen whether or not that's confirmed or denied, but we know he hasn't been there this weekend. So the first bullet point that I had was, one, that's fine. As Tom Clement said, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need the reps, and I know it everyone's going to point to the rookie receivers. But in my first bullet point, I said, these rookie receivers, they need to learn the offense first. And I know that they've been in the building a few times now. They have access to the playbook, but there's a big difference between reading what the play is, going over the verbiage, and being on the practice field, being in the huddle, running that route against a defender. So I think, so from a team building chemistry standpoint with Rodgers and Christian Watson, Samori Toure, Romeo Dobbs, you know, it, it's fine at this point in the offseason because these three have to get their foothold with the offense before working with Rodgers, and we know he, he demands a lot of those receivers. So letting them get their feet wet, get acclimated to it, I think is a good first step before having them be on the field together. Jason, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's easy to point and say, Rodgers, it hampers the Packers when they don't make a Super Bowl and they don't win a Super Bowl. It's easy to point back and say, well, they didn't spend any time together in the offseason. But I, I, it's over the many years, and I don't have the time or the desire to go through all the data and nerd out over how many offseason practices the Super Bowl winning quarterback attended and how much that really made a difference. So I don't think it matters much, though. The Packers are committed. To me, it's it's if the culture is strong and Matt Lafleur's team has got a strong culture, they're going to be fine. He's an All-Pro quarterback, two-time MVP. I know that 
it from a chemistry standpoint and getting to know, but there is no substitute for live game action. And the reality is the first game of the season, much like last year, probably going to be some bumps and bruises. Now, hopefully it's not as bad as last year's opener against the Saints when they were a total dud, but I am not not worried about it at all. We have way too many years of seeing this team achieve a lot during the regular season. And trust me, when you get to January, what you did back in July and August isn't going to matter one iota at that point. So it's it's really a non-factor for me. And I trust the quarterback and the coaching mm-hmm. staff as far as their decision-making on that whole thing. Yeah, obviously a big question surrounding this Packers team, and they're still out there, is how is this receiver position unit going to perform as a whole this season how are they going to you know make up for the loss of Devonte adams well the answer is they're not going to because <laughs> you're not going to replace Devonte adams but a lot of it's going to fall on matt lafleur and his ability to scheme players open and the four-time mvp who just signed a three-year 150 million dollar extension it's going to be up to those two to elevate you know this this wide receiver room as a whole and on top of that used to have arguably the best running back duo in the game your offensive line, once healthy, should be a very good unit. You have on paper, you know, a top five defense in football. You know, hopefully they can live up to that. So that's how you make up for what you're losing in the wide receiver room. Yeah, for sure. And I I think the offense and playing within it and the design as well, this is where you have to kind of decide, do you or do you not trust the, the coaching staff? Do you is Matt LaFleur continuing to evolve? Everybody's got to evolve. Aaron Rodgers is still learning things and he's still evolving in a way. I mean, you know, I think back to when Peyton Manning got to the end of his career and he had to make some mechanical changes to his throwing motion, for example. The coaching staff, Matt LaFleur, learning to do different things. Hey, this didn't work last year. The last two years we've come up short in the playoffs for this. There's there's a lot of things and a lot of reasons why I think the Packers will be fine. One of the interesting things that came up was, and I think it was Peter Bukowski talked about it on Lockdown Packers about when David Bakhtiari came back in that game against Detroit at the end of the season. And Aaron Rodgers, if you go back and watch it, seemed to play a little bit more off script, off platform, I guess, or whatever the verbiage mm-hmm. is that I'm looking for. And because he felt that comfort level because he had his guy out there at left tackle. And so is that going to be a factor this year? Was it one of those things where Rodgers was willing to get the ball out quickly because he felt like he had to? And I know Bakhtiari is a question mark, and I don't know if we're going to get to him during this conversation today, Paul, but that that was another thing that I thought was really interesting. There's a lot of components to this team and, and the way that they operate and the things that are going to help them be successful. But – the easy and, and obvious answer is it all kind of starts at the top with the coaching staff. Yeah, and you made a good point that there's going to be a learning curve, obviously, and you know they, they probably aren't going to be firing on all cylinders come week one, but it's a long NFL season. Uh, next, we're going to spend a few minutes here on special teams because, well, it's the Green Bay Packers. So after their heartbreaking playoff loss, Matt LaFleur mentioned – I don't know if this was right after like the closing press conference, you know, a day or two later, but he mentioned that they would look into utilizing starters more on special teams than what they have in the past. And then he of course pointed out the risk with that is injury. And we saw that against the 49ers when AJ Dillon left with a uh, broken ribs on a kickoff return. 
Um, but like Matt LaFleur said, they're going to look into it. And then Rich Basaccia last week, I believe, when meeting with reporters, you know, he talked about how Rondé Barber, who was in his 17th NFL season, was on the uh, kick or punt coverage unit, the field goal block unit, and the kickoff unit in his 17th year in the NFL. Basaccia also threw out the idea that, you know, we may see David Bakhtiari out there on the field goal blocking team because we all know how big of an issue that that was for the Packers uh, this past year. And again, it's only OTAs, but Matt Schneidman and The Athletic tweeted out that during special teams reps, Devondre Campbell, Adrian Amos, and Aaron Jones were all out there participating. So, Jason, I just wanted to get your thoughts on there being a bigger emphasis on the starters or key contributors being a part of this special teams unit to help shore it up when traditionally it's backups and back end of the roster guys who take those snaps. Well, it's kind of the same thing as with the offensive line where they've talked about just put your best five guys out there and obviously you got to put them in the right position. But yeah, I think starters should play if they want to. Remember last year, didn't Alan Lazard say he put his, his hand up mm-hmm. when asked to play special teams? I mean, these guys, let's put your money where your mouth is. Your your special teams were, were not good last year. They haven't been good for years. This was a reason why arguably you could say that the Packers lost the playoff game in addition to the offense not being very good, but the special teams alone, two kicks blocked in a key game at home. I mean, that's that if that doesn't scream, you need to put your best players out there regardless of whether or not you're trying to save them or you agree philosophically that starters should or shouldn't play on special teams. You've got to put your best players in the best position to do whatever it is that they do. Now, hopefully they can find some diamonds in the rough with their undrafted free agents and this rookie class. If some of these receivers aren't able to get on the field, like Ture, for example, I'm wondering if maybe he doesn't get a chance to play special teams. I mean, I always look at the back end of the draft and the undrafted free agents as far as guys that are going to do that. And then you've got, as you know, we talked a little bit before we started, your studs that are on there every year. Dominique Daphne's been a really good special teamer. And you mentioned Rich Passaccia calling out Tyler Davis for his efforts. And some of those guys mm-hmm. are going to need to do that because it's going to impact whether or not they're on this roster or not. So continue to churn it and tr- continue to try to find the best answer. I mean, I like to see, and I know that these are guys that haven't played a lot before, but Jack Coco coming in is a long snapper competition for Steven Wordle. And even if there's really no chance that he's going to unseat him and take the job, Bring him in and take a look at him. You know, J.J. Molson was just cut this past week, but he was in the mix along with Mason Crosby and our third kicker who I could not. Everly. Everly. Yeah, exactly. And so do the best that you can. I mean, this is not you hired Riz Bisaccia. So this is no longer an afterthought and this little fun walkthrough portion of practice. It's a big deal. And he was fired up. If you listen to the beat reporters, he was barking and screaming at the players, not even a few minutes into practice about something as simple as breaking the huddle. So I think, again, good culture change. And part of that is going to be putting your best players out there. There might have to be some starters. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not as if last year there weren't you know, key contributors out on special teams. Um, I looked it up at Pro Football Focus. So Oren Burks led the team in special team snaps at 356. So just to kind of give you the baseline, uh, Josiah DeGuara was out there for 141, Dean Lowry 136, A.J. Dillon 91, Razul Douglas 90, Lucas Patrick 67. So it's, again, it's not like there weren't starters or key contributors not on special teams at all. But again, DeGuara was the highest of what I would consider a key contributor. And he was still roughly, you know, maybe 35, 40% of the total special team snaps. 
So again, it's seeing if he can get more and guys like Preston Smith, Elton Jenkins, Rashawn Gary, Aaron Jones and Kenny Clark, they were all on the field for 13 or fewer snaps. So I don't, I mentioned that Devondre Campbell, Adrian Amos and Aaron Jones were out there getting reps. It's not that I'm expecting them to be out there come week one, but they'll be ready in case Basaccia has to break glass in case of emergency type of situation and making sure those guys are cross-trained and ready to go if called upon. And one other thing here with special teams that you had mentioned was this rookie class because Basaccia spoke very highly of them in particular as well during one of his press conferences. And going through the draft class, you can see why. Christian Watson was an All-American kick returner. Romeo Dobbs averaged 12.4 yards per punt return. Tariq Carpenter, Quay Walker both have over 400 career special team snaps in college. Uh, Samori Toure was a gunner at Nebraska. You have three offensive linemen who could help bolster your you know, field goal blocking, punt blocking units. And then you have Devontae Wyatt, Jonathan Ford. You know They could be used if, they, if the Packers want to, similar to what TJ Slayton did on field goal block and field goal protection units as well. So that, that special, those rookies could become key factors as well in how this unit performs this year. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I trust the process. And, and before the draft, there was talk about how many of these picks the Packers might use on special teamers. Well, we're about to find out. And I think Rich Bisaccia maybe proverbially or maybe actually had a voice in the room. So mm-hmm. I'm encouraged, but the Packers are an easy team to be encouraged about every mm-hmm. year. They're one of the odds on favorites to win the division and be competing for the NFC. But this is one of those areas where Paul, I'll tell you last year, it was really disheartening to watch our worst fear continue to come true throughout the season. Mark said it. We said it on the show mm-hmm. several times when this season is over with, I'll be surprised if we're not talking about how special teams was a part of it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yep, and unfortunately that was correct. Uh, with special teams here, obviously Crosby had a down year last year. Certainly wasn't all of his fault with the blocking and holds and snaps and all that. But as you mentioned, it's him and Dominic Eberly left at the kicker position. Do you do you see this being a legitimate competition where, and of course the Packers will probably give you the, the correct lines, and yeah, nobody's job is safe, everybody's got to compete. Packers can also save $3.4 million in that valuable cap space by moving on from Crosby after June 1st. But do you see this? Do you see Eberly having a true shot, or in your mind do you see him you know, having a path to being the Packers kicker this season? Ah, you said this season. I thought you might leave that part out because to me, I, to me, I think it's if I think that he's there because sure you want to push Mason Crosby, but again, Crosby and Rogers both have virtually the same number of years in the league, so it's hard to unseat a, a say a, you know a savvy veteran. Now Crosby's seen some you know, decline in his leg strength and his ability to kick it off deep and get it out of the end zone and those types of things. But I think Green Bay is looking at the future and the future just isn't this season. I think I think Mason's going to be the kicker. I think it would take an incredibly lot to see him get unseated because again, and I've talked about it many times, the Packers are going to expect to be in the postseason, which means they're probably going to be playing games in the winter and at least one of those games will be at Lambeau Field, and it's going to be cold. And kicking in that environment with the wind, there's a lot to be said about experience. You've mentioned experience a couple times already. There's a lot to be said about experience, and when you're talking about points on the board, that's not something that you can really mess around with. Now, Eberly has a great camp, hits all of his kicks, doesn't miss. He's drilling it, hitting from all the hash you know, he's he's making it from long, inside, outside, all those types of things. Okay. You know, because at one point, Mason Crosby became the kicker for the Packers. I mean, they, they drafted him, if I'm remembering correctly. They used a draft pick on him, so it's a little bit different. But I don't, I don't think it's strong competition for this year. I think it's an eye on the future because Mason Crosby is obviously not going to be the kicker for the Packers forever. And, and I think it's probably a, a limited number of seasons left. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. There's a lot of risk in relying on a kicker with two career field goal attempts and five extra point attempts to be your go-to guy. Like you said, it's Lambo. It's 12 degrees. You need a 42-yard field goal to go through the uprights. That's asking a lot. And again, not to say you can't do it. We don't we don't know anything about what Dominic Eberle is going to be as an NFL kicker, but relying on that here in August or when August comes and rosters have to be, you know, trimmed down. That's that's a risky move. So I think just solely for that reason is why Mason Crosby is going to be going to be the guy. So spoiler, next up, big we'll spoiler, go, big spoiler alert there yeah, on the Thursday right. edition of the Pack a Day podcast. <laughs> so next up, let's uh, you know let's talk about some receivers. Uh, so I wrote an article talking about are the Green Bay Packers going to keep six receivers or seven? So reason I think that this is interesting is because everyone's not everyone, but a lot of folks are talking about bringing in 
another you know, a free agent signing to this roster. Not to say the Packers can't, not to say they won't, not to say there aren't an upgrade or two out there for the Packers, but I consider six of the roster spots locked up. I have Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson, uh, Randall Cobb, Al Nazard, Romeo Dobbs, and Amari Rogers. Barring, you know, the anything can happen, you know, door that's slightly cracked, those guys are going to be on the Packers roster. And if we look at LeFleur's first three years here, two of the years he kept six receivers, and in 2020 he only kept five. So not on that list is any free agent addition, if you want to dream and throw out a name out there. Uh, not on that list is Samori Toure, their seventh-round pick, Juwan Winfrey, Malik Taylor, special teams guys from last year. So I, in the article, I just posed a question of kind of six receivers versus seven. Uh, and before I go into that, I was kind of, what are, what are your thoughts on that, Jason? And where, where do you think that could go? This is the first time we've had this conversation, and it's an intriguing one. And I'll, I'll just tell on myself, as I was counting through the, the guys just now as, as we were getting ready to talk about this, I had forgotten about Amari Rogers. <laughs> I didn't have him listed, not because I don't think he's going to make the team, but I had forgotten about him. So that just goes to show you where he ranks in the minds of Packers fans, even compared to some of these rookies who have never taken a snap. But I, I wonder if that number isn't going to be determined by a couple of things. Number one, special teams mm-hmm. and how many of those guys can play special teams. Like I said, Toure, I think maybe his his path could be uh, on special teams, either as coverage or a gunner, or, or I, I don't know if I saw some rumblings or talk about him potentially getting some time at returner in uh, in practice this offseason or in training camp. But you've got a lot of guys. And the other thing, too, is is the, the you have up to three practice squad call-ups now per week. So how might the Packers approach that if they feel comfortable in leaving some of these guys unprotected on the practice squad throughout the the season? You mentioned some names that we shouldn't forget about as well with Juwan Winfrey and Malik Taylor. Both of those guys saw time at receiver and both of those guys played on special teams last year. So um, to me, it seems like it's quickly becoming a pretty crowded room with guys who have either got really high upside and potential like Christian Watson obviously is going to play, even though he's never played in the NFL and guys who are, are already proven. So it would seem to me at this point, Paul, we kind of just have to look at the historical and what Matt LaFleur mm-hmm. and Brian Gutekunst have done in the past, which I believe has been mostly six, right? Yep. Yep. That's yep. absolutely it. And of course, play is going to determine it. If Samori Toure, for example, gives him a reason not to leave him off. You know, look at, the defensive line group last year, they kept six and that six guy was Jack Heflin because he basically forced their hand with how well he played throughout training camp in the preseason. Obviously training camp in the preseason this year is going to play a large factor in that. But I went back and forth in this article, just kind of going through various reasons why they could keep six versus seven. Um, Ultimately I, I at this point, this stage of the game, I tend to lean towards six just because of the, you know, Juwan Winfrey and Malik Taylor have been on this team a few years, but Winfrey has 13 career targets. Taylor has even less. So it's not as if they've been big factors on offense. Um, And then Samori Toure, absolutely, if he proves himself on special teams, that's going to be important. But he's a seventh-round pick, and we've seen over the years as well, Cole Van Lannen last year, uh, Dexter Williams the season before, or in 2019, um, Jake Hansen in 2020, 
there's draft picks, you know, day three draft picks, as much success as Goody has had there, there's day three draft picks that end up on the practice squad their first season. So that is more the norm than expecting a seventh rounder to come in and make an impact. So that's why I tend to lean towards six at this point, but why they might keep seven, you know, we don't know what this receiver rotation is going to look like or how passes are going to be distributed. Maybe LaFleur wants an extra option in there just because there is that uncertainty and there's going to be those extra targets to go around flipping back why they might keep six we know that this offense utilizes tight ends and the running backs heavily in the passing game it's not like the packers are going to be rolling out five wide consistently where you want you know that extra receiver depth there so those are reasons why i think that they'll stick with six but i think that that's a really interesting position battle at least on that end to watch this summer and you had mentioned you'd use the word or phrase crowded receiver room and i 100 percent agree but it's kind of odd to say that considering there's just so many question marks and unknowns about this group it's crowded right now just in a but even from a a minicamp training camp standpoint it's Mm going to have to get figured out and dwindled down a little bit yep absolutely uh let's flip to the defensive side of the ball the star cornerback position when Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, Eric Stokes are on the field together. I think most are assuming that Jair is going to be in the slot, and he's certainly going to be. The season ended, you know, if we fast forward to the end of the season, he takes the most slot snaps this season, I'm not going to be surprised. But Brian Gudikins even told us this offseason he's going to move around. If the top receiver that they're up against is on the boundary, Jair is going to be on the boundary. So that's a really interesting spot to be because when he's on the boundary, who's going to go inside? These numbers, again, are from Pro Football Focus, but Eric Stokes last year took five snaps from inside, lined up in the slot. Razul Douglas in his five seasons has 80 total snaps inside. So there's very little experience on this roster. I mean, even looking at Jair, he doesn't have a ton of slot experience, but obviously we're confident in his ability. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out when Jair's on the boundary, who is going to step inside and take those snaps instead. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Yeah, that one. And this is another one, too, where I feel like I just sound like a broken record, but it's because the Packers are really talented. Put your best guys in the best position. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, Paul, I don't think that this has to be the Jalen Ramsey machismo follow around the number one wide receiver and puff out your chest and do it because you you can. I think you match up the skill set in in the corners against the wide receiver room. And I, I, I will say this, I think. Eric Stokes is going to get some opportunities. He doesn't have a lot of snaps on the inside, but he's he was a number one. He was a first rounder last year, and the Packers really like him. And I thought he played well. I think he played as well as we could have expected in his first year. I, I don't know what your take was, but I I, mm-hmm. I walked out of his rookie season feeling pretty satisfied with what he did. I I think he I'd like to see him track the ball a little bit better and utilize some of that speed. I'd like to see him scampering into the end zone with the ball in his hand a couple times because he is so fast, but I think he's going to get an opportunity to learn there. And one other 
big factor is Jerry Gray. And Jerry Gray is is a coach who I think can get these guys prepared to do something that I wouldn't say you, you can't just take a Russell Douglas and make him a slot corner. But if you have a player that's got the the skill set to be able to do it and he just needs some guidance and some coaching and confidence, there's your there's an X factor right there in Jerry Gray that might be able to get Stokes ready to play on the inside. And then Shamar Jean Charles, big question mark there. Is he going to be ready to play some on defense? He looked pretty abysmal last year, but he's a wide-eyed rookie that's drinking through the fire hose. And it's corners a tough position to transition from college to the pros, and especially when you're, I believe he was a, a fifth-rounder, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. right? So you're not going to expect a fifth-rounder to come in and light the world on fire. So put your best players in the best position. Darnell Savage is also another potential option there too. He played a little corner in college and, and I expect him to move up and, and be a factor uh, this season as well. So if that's the case, then maybe part of what you're doing is, is you're moving Russell back a little bit and, and helping play safety or play on the back end. And maybe you can utilize some of those, those skills back there in addition to playing on the outside. Yeah. I, I mean, Jerry Gray said too, they're going to, cross train and prepare everyone for that role you know, in a way that's kind of coach speak but i do believe them uh, i think it's going to be a by committee and it's going to be week to week based on matchups might even be series to series you know if the packers if there's if gyre's on the boundary and there's a speedster in the slot you know that's you know you put eric stokes there with that what four two five speed of his if they're playing the 49ers and george kittles in the slot well that's Roswell douglas in his bigger frame you know, that's that would be his calling card and Darnell Savage, as you mentioned. And Jerry Gray also went out of his way to mention uh, Keyshawn Nixon as well. He was an offseason addition. It's a connection to Rich Passaccia. He was a core special teams player with Las Vegas under Passaccia. So when he was first signed, that was kind of what first popped out to I know many of us for why he was added. But he when he was on the field, I think he has just under 300 career defensive snaps over three seasons. So, again, not a ton. But specifically last year, you saw, you know, when he was on the defensive side of the ball, most of his action came from in the slot. So he's someone else to keep your eyes on. Not that he's ever going to supplant their big three. But if you have someone like Keyshawn Nixon or Shamar John Charles that you can rely on in certain situations, take over in the slot, the flexibility that you have with that with Douglas Stokes and Jair to move them around and put them wherever you want is immense for Joe Barry. So that's going to be one of the more intriguing position battles to watch this summer as well. Now let's transition to edge rusher. Backers have Rashawn Gary. They have Preston Smith. But after that, question marks. So, Jason, what is your concern level with the overall uh, makeup of the edge rusher room right now? Well, we talked about this one. Or are you concerned? Yeah. Kind of, I mean, depth-wise. Because we talked about this one already and the fact that there's just a huge drop-off after mm-hmm. Preston and Smith and Rashad Gary to what you have behind it. And, and Whitney Merciless isn't coming back. So I think the Packers are going to – everybody keeps waiting for them to add another receiver, another veteran, this and that. I think the edge rusher position is, is a one that's ripe. You talked about Justin Houston last week as just one potential target the Packers could have. Mm-hmm. It's it's that inexperience there. Jonathan Garvin, like Mark said last week, it's it is time. You know, show me something now. And it's it's hard to say that about a, a really low draft pick, but that's where the Packers are at with this whole thing. Because if 
one of those two big, you know, big two have to have to miss time. Now, fortunately, Preston Smith has only ever missed one game in his career, ironically, against his former team, the Washington football team, the Commanders. And then Rashad Gary, I mean, I don't know about you, Paul, but these videos of him working out, I don't think that's just for show. I think that dude is absolutely on a... He's moving. Yeah, he is on a mission, and he is he is doing some work right there. And it's and it's interesting because I, I know there were some questions when he was drafted. These have all been put to bed by now, but about his effort and his, his desire to play football, I don't think there's any question about that anymore. But you've got a... You mentioned last week, there it's a it's a pretty decently rotated position. So, I think you said it was 30% I think it was 30 was it 30% of the snaps have to be accounted for, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not playing those two guys and that's that's a third of your defense and that's that's a big deal because those snaps count. Those downs count in terms of putting pressure on the quarterback and making sure the back end doesn't have to cover for 4 or 5 seconds or longer. So, right now, I'm I'm a little bit concerned, but you know, this this uh, personnel team or front office, Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur have always come through for us. So I'm sure they have a plan. Mm-hmm. And there's, as as is always the case when you're talking about late May, there's a lot that's going to happen between now and week one. Yeah, 100%. And when you say a lot that's going to happen, after June 1st last year, before the season began, the Packers signed Devondre Campbell, Dennis Kelly, and traded for Corey Bajorquez. In season, they acquired Russell Douglas, Whitney Merciless. So just because we're late in the offseason doesn't mean that impact players can't be found. Also, not a guarantee that they're going to be either. But also an important aspect with that is of those players, uh, Devondre Campbell had the highest salary at $2 million. So you can find those impact players at this time of the season, and you also don't have to break the bank necessarily to do so either so jason those are kind of my big items there's plenty of more bullet points here but head over to dairyland express and give it a read was there anything else on your mind that you wanted to cover no i just there were some some rule changes so it sounds like the injured reserve situation kind of interesting it used to be three games last season it was a minimum of three weeks on injured reserve and it's changed now to a four-week minimum, but players can go on injured reserve twice in one season now if needed. So there's a little bit of a change there. Talked about the practice squad expanding a little bit and the ability to have three guys that you can call up from the practice squad. So just some more things to keep in mind as far as roster management and those those other types of things there. But uh, as far as everything else goes, you know, the, the obvious big thing right now is, is this team going to be ready and are they going to be able to hit the ground running? I, I say I hope that the preseason regular season first couple games aren't as sluggish as, as some teams can be, because I think the Packers are going to need to come out strong. They've got a really tough game already in week three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I don't want to be hyperbolic here and make that sound like a must win game in week three. Cause it certainly is well before the end of the season, but when it comes to seeding and if you don't like the chances of the Packers playing in Florida or for whatever reason later in the season, although at this point Lambeau field hasn't worked too well for them <laughs> either, <gonna> say that. <laughs> then they need to start strong. And so the strong start, that's why a lot of people I think are kind of gnashing their teeth about Aaron Rodgers not being at, at OTAs, but here we sit again, many years after the fact, saying, "I think the Packers will be fine," and it's it's going to come down to that that culture. I'm sure you'll probably slough this off, but I just had to say because 
it's I keep seeing it and it keeps showing up week after week after week. But Sedarius Smith sure seems upset about not being in Green Bay anymore. I'll say too, I think a lot of what he's saying is is for show, and he's I think he means it. I mean, I think he definitely wants to play well against the Packers, and he is looking forward to sacking Aaron Rodgers, and I think he means what he says. But some of it, I think, is kind of just. WWE heelish type of type of stuff there, and and it does kind of lend you to wonder, okay, how healthy are they going to are they going to be ready? And and David Bakhtiari in particular, too, Paul. We're not doctors, mm-hmm. but at some point here too, we're going to be talking about a, a kind of a fork in the road in terms of whether he's going to be ready to play or if he's going to be able to play again or at all like he was before, and and that's that's kind of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is interesting that, and I don't think we should read anything into it. But he wasn't participating in the drills that the you know, that the beat reporters were when they were at the OTA practice. He was off to the side working out with Elton Jenkins, Robert Tunyon, who are of course rehabbing from ACL injuries of their own. So definitely something to keep our eyes on. And one other quick point: the amount of uh, offensive line combinations that we're going to see from Matt Lafleur this summer is exponential yeah how many permutations are there five <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, there's gonna be a lot i mean we even saw it the you know the of course elton and bakhtiari weren't participating but cole van lannan started at right tackle yash was at left then royce newman moved to right tackle so of course we don't need to read into anything or what that means for the regular season but as lafleur says it's all about putting the best five on the field and this unit they're the hallmark of this unit is versatility so we are going to see guys We'll see Zach Tom at center. We'll see Josh Myers at guard. You name it, we'll see it this summer. So it's nice to have. I know it's voluntary. It's OTAs. It doesn't really mean anything. But it's nice to have some, you know, Packers football at least taking place. Give us something a little extra to talk about outside of, you know, just some offseason hypothetical. So that was always that's always good to have back. Oh, when we get to July, Mark gives us a hard time about our Twitter refresh with yeah. all these new receivers. <laughs> There's going to be a ton of sore thumbs refreshing Twitter this summer as the Packers take the field and we get to hear about the rookies and all that good kind of stuff too. So, well, we'll be back next week. Our our well, potentially our whole crew should be here next week. We'll see. It's always a week to week thing. Summer comes along, vacation season and whatnot going on. So. Before we sign off, I'm sure Mark's got some good work up over at Packer Report. And, Paul, what is going on over Dairyland Express and Cheesehead TV now, and what's upcoming? Yeah, so we've already covered a little bit of it. Got my quick thoughts up. Uh, six or seven wide receivers playing starters on special teams. So those are kind of the big ones that I have going right now. Also at Cheesehead TV, uh, took a look at Keyshawn Nixon, uh, what he can offer, what Jerry Gray had to say about him. So please, if you're interested, check all that out. And this is Memorial Weekend, so unless something extravagant happens, Monday's edition of the Quick Science Podcast may be on hiatus. If something does occur, I'll get on and do a show. But the June 1st deadline, and I don't expect that to be any kind of a big, hot deadline. That's Wednesday of next week, the middle of next week, so around around a week from now. And we'll see if that actually does end up spurning anything around the league. It usually doesn't really turn into anything and, and on that specific date. So... Good discussion. We held it down pretty well. We got our geography straight, at least this week, Paul. A little small mm-hmm. victory there. Hopefully summer sticks around for you and the weather stays nice. I don't know how these next this next week is looking, but you got the lawnmower out, and I'm sure you'll have plenty of, uh, plenty of work to do on the honey-do list, as always. always.
as <laughs> as always. So thanks everybody for riding along with us on the Thursday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. Get over and check out all of the rest of our great shows along the way, and we'll be back next Thursday. Until then, everybody, stay cool, stay safe, and go Pack Go.